It's so neat to be here uh, today with you. I'm, uh, I love being at a church that has vision. And when I, uh, when I learned about your, uh, your vision for your faith to go viral, how cool is that, huh? And uh, what, what, a, what a way to take advantage of social media and all that's going on. And to be able to say what viral means, means that we value people. That sounds biblical to me. It, it means that we identify on common ground with people. It's what Jesus did, woman at the well. He just began to talk to her about water. It's common ground. The, uh, and, and then it's, uh, it is about being able to remove obstacles. And boy, there are obstacles in people's way. And, uh, and we're, we're about doing that. It's about awe and wonder. I, I love that part when you read the book of Acts and, and all the awe and wonder things that go on and you read the gospel, things that happen. And then, uh, and then it, is, it is about being able to take and, and live out the mission. Live it out. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. Right. To live it out day by day. Now a church that has vision is, is a church that will attract people. You attract people with vision, but you keep them through relationships. And so you have strategically put this together so that you not only talk about your vision, but you've got groups that people can be connected to. You get in a group and you talk this out, you live this out so you get to know each other. They say people are in the church for six months and they don't connect with other people. They oftentimes will just kind of slide out the back door. But you're a, you're a strategic church, church with vision. And I'm, I've already shared this with a number of other people. And uh, one of the pastors I sent it to has already contacted Pastor Chris and said, hey, I'd like to learn more about what you're doing. So who knows how God will use this, not only in this church, but in other places. I love the word viral. Hey, let's go for it with everything inside of us. And you know, in that regard, what, uh, I mean, what, a, what a tool we have. This changed everything, didn't it? This changed everything. I, uh, I carry it with me, and I even take it to the pulpit with me because I was in Iowa, and the person leading the meeting said, hey, get out your iPhones. I thought, wow. Yeah, I said, get them out. We were in church. So get out your iPhones. So he said, because you might hear something in this conference. We were actually in a three-day conference that, that you want to tweet. He said, that's the modern-day way of saying Amen. Uh, well, yeah, you can. Uh, so if you hear something, bring your, bring this with you on Sundays, and when your pastor's preaching, with your whatever you're doing, say, well, hey, I, I like the sound of that. And you, you tweet it, and and you get to share it with your friends. They know you're in church that way too, you know. What a what a I mean, a, a non-threatening way to be in touch with people that that you can make a difference in their life. So um, it's, it's a way for you to connect on on Twitter. I'd uh, love to connect with any of you. It's uh, yesterday at the, the leaders meeting. I uh, had a number of people that sent stuff, and we've connected already. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that God can use, and he will use all means. I remember when television uh, you know, began to really emerge in a big way, and I mean, think how God has used that as a, as a medium uh, for good and for bad, right? Yeah. But uh, we, same way, any, anything can be used for good or bad. We're going to use it for good in Jesus' name. And you know what? The future of this church is as bright as the promises of God. I mean, you're, you're, I feel like you're sort of on the cusp 
of, of stepping into a new season of what God is going to do as you, as you implement this vision and as you, as you walk it out. And let's see what God will, will do next. Well, I could just get all excited about being here for talking about this this morning and seeing what, what God is going to do. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here today to not only to sort of step into that with you, but I want to share a, a message that I believe God has put on my heart for, for us today. It is uh, it's always great to have uh, Joan with me today, and she's sitting right here on the front row, this beautiful lady. We've been married for 51 years. 51 years, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, almost uh, 52. We're, uh, we are, and uh, we have three children. We have uh, uh, eight grandchildren. And all of, all of our kids and grandchildren, they all serve the Lord, and we're grateful for that. That's a, that, to me, is we're grateful. Mm. I'm, I'm not here to say that if your people in your family don't serve the Lord, that, 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 that's a, that you're a problem. We, we just fumbled and stumbled like a lot of other people, but God's been gracious to us, and I want to encourage you to keep praying for your, your kids and your grandkids and your brothers and your sisters. And, and believe that God will make a difference in their lives. I, uh, I read through the Bible every year, and I'm, uh, I'm in the book of Acts now. And uh, as a matter of fact, it takes, it takes January to September to finish the Old Testament. And I know there are a lot of begats back there in the Old Testament, and you kind of get bogged down to those if you aren't careful. And, and then somebody says, what can you learn from Leviticus, you know? I had a person ask me that the other day. He said, would you tell me, have you ever gotten anything out of Leviticus? And I gave him two things I got out of Leviticus. One is about keep the fire burning from Leviticus chapter 6. And, and it's about tithing in Leviticus chapter 27. He said, wow, I never thought about that. They, uh, so you get all kinds of things when you read through the scripture. I do it by putting uh, earphones in and I, and I also look so that two of my senses connect. And when I read through the book of Acts, I get all excited. So I say, wow, what? This is the church in action. And as, a, as you read through uh, about people going to prison, I mean, we think we've got it tough. Just because some people sort of, you know, bump up against us. We live in a culture that's not very friendly towards uh, our faith. But they lived in a culture that was really unfriendly towards our faith. And, and these apostles were in jail once, and they were released, and they said, hey, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they said, hey, we can, we can only speak the things we've seen and heard, and they are in, they're, they've got to obey God rather than man. They're thrown in jail again. And it's in this second time in jail in Acts chapter 5, the neatest thing happens. I want to, uh, to read from Acts chapter 5. Because they're in jail, and in the night, an angel comes and lets them out of prison. Now, how cool is that? That's a great story, isn't it? They say, they're out of prison, but the angel says, I'm letting you out for a reason. In chapter 5, verse 20, here, here's the reason. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said. And tell the people the full message of this new life. That's what you're supposed to do? Go tell the people the full message of this new life. I want to share a message with you this morning the, uh, where that, 
the center of gravity of our message. I, uh, I'm not much of an engineer or can't really unpack all that that means in terms of the technical part. I, I do know that if you, you know, if you take a book and you put it at the right place, it's supposed to stay there, center of gravity. I, I, I get that in a, in a very simplistic way. But I'm going to use the center of gravity as a metaphor, a word picture, where it is the central or the pivotal piece of our message that's up on the screen now. It's, it is the center, uh, it is the very pivotal piece of our message as we think about it. That's how I want you to think about the center of gravity of our message today. Lord, help me in the next few moments to unpack this word in a way that it will make a difference in the lives of every person here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So as we talk about this pivotal or the central piece of our message, what is, what is the center of our message? I want to suggest, first of all, that it's experiencing divine love. Experiencing divine love. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 4, one of the apostles wrote this. Pardon me for getting my papers mixed up here. I, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are to experience divine love. In, the, uh, in our language, we only have one word for love. I can say I love apple pie. I can say I love football. I can say I love my wife. All the same word, but very different ways that I'm talking about loving. So in the language of the New Testament, they had specific words to help describe how you were talking about love. For instance, if I use the word philia, it means I have brotherly love. I'm loving another, just another person as a friend. Or if I use the word storge, it would mean love for my children. If I use the word eros, it would mean love for my wife, from which we get the word erotic. And there's a fourth kind of love, and this one that you've probably heard about is, if you've been in church very much, it's the word agape. It's a very strong word, and we spend a lot of time trying to define it because it's a different kind of love. As a matter of fact, it's the kind of love that's used here in this text. God so loved the world that he gave his life as an atoning sacrifice. He paid the price. So I've tried to say, what, what does this agape mean in a way that I can connect with it? I want to suggest to you this morning that God's love for us is an as-is kind of love. He loves us as is. You know that when you buy something as is, it's not perfect, right? It's got stuff wrong with it. And generally, when you buy something as is, you don't pay full price. I, 
I'm like that. I, I bought my first car. It was a 1953 Ford, a long time ago. It wasn't new, but I bargained the guy down, and if I told you how much I paid for it, you would, you would probably smile. I paid $350 for it. And, and it started at $395, so I did pretty good. And the guy says to me as I'm getting ready to drive it off the lot, you're buying it as is. I mean, if the transmission falls out, you get a block down the street, forget it, it's yours. The motor blows up, it's yours. You're buying it as is. You didn't pay full price. You never pay full price for as is merchandise unless you're God. Mm. He paid full price. An atoning sacrifice for our sins as is. So, when I think about God loving me, that's the central part of the message, that God loves us as is. It doesn't matter what you did on Tuesday. It doesn't matter what you're thinking about right now that, that's in your background. God loves us as is. You can't do anything more or anything less to make him love you any more or less. He loves us as is. What a, what a great thought. And what an idea that God would love every one of us as is. That's the beautiful message that we proclaim. And then God expects us to love each other as is. That's what makes the church what it is. You see, I can love people that look like me and think like me and eat like me and have the opinions that I have. I mean, you, sure, you can get along with someone like that. What about somebody who's different? I'm to love them as is. As is. That's what God has called us to do. And Jesus is very, very specific in the way he illustrates this for us. He didn't see people as categories. He saw them as individuals. I mean, the woman at the well was a Samaritan. That's the category. But he saw her as an individual. How about us? Do we see people as categories? Those kind of people? Or do we know them as individuals? He didn't see tax collectors. He saw Zacchaeus. And he went to his house. He didn't see just the people who were wealthy and, and the high-toned people as a category. He saw Nicodemus and talked with him at night. Because he has an as-is kind of love. Some of you are thinking right now, wow, I, if God loves me as-is, I'd like to be connected with that kind of God. I'll probably give you an opportunity somewhere before we leave today to respond to that. So you can say, I, I want to connect with that kind of God who loves me as-is. But we're not only... Think about the pivotal point of this message is loving us as is, but we experience divine power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the kind of power that's like dynamite. 
And boy, had these disciples experienced that. They had seen Jesus heal people. They, that was one kind of power that they had seen. But now he says that the power is going to come upon you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And, and so here they had, these disciples were, people were being healed. People were sharing the gospel. 3,000 people come to Christ in one day when Peter preaches. 5,000 at another time, it says, were added to the church. I mean, they're experiencing this divine power. Uh, I'm just here to say this morning that, that the power of God can be at work in us this day. I love the song we were singing, God can do it again. God, God do whatever he chooses. Now, let me just parenthetically insert that miracles obviously are a demonstration of God's power. Miracles are not designed to mature the church. Miracles are designed for people to believe. John chapter 7 gives us seven miracles, and, and after each of them it said people believe. The greatest miracle, of course, is a person coming to Christ. When God changes a life, and people say, wow, look at that person. They've been changed. That miracle causes people to believe. What the church is about was... We, see, we come and we say God does miracles and we expect miracles. But then he expects us to mature. And maturity is simply when I'm producing more than I'm consuming. Maturity comes about through teaching and through the word of the Lord working in our lives and through us growing in the faith. So we need miracles on the one hand which helps people to believe and need maturity in the body of Christ so that we are producing more than we're consuming as people of God. So I'm to experience this divine power. That's the central or another pivotal piece of this message. But it's also about experiencing divine compassion. Experiencing divine compassion where Jesus says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This word compassion is a visceral word. It's deep. It's strong. And Jesus said, I have, I have compassion on people. He expects us to do the same. I've been to Israel four times, and this the last time I was there, it really began to sink in with me that, that Jesus spent most of his ministry up around Galilee gathering people that were on the margins of society, people that were the unlovely, the unwelcomed, people that were almost throwaways. That's who he gathered to himself, and then they go down to Jerusalem, and they end up crucifying Jesus. It made me think of the days in which I started ministry. I, I got the, the sense of ministry not too far from right here, just a little place over there called New York City. I was there in 1962 with David Wilkerson and Nikki Cruz. And, and, and we'd go on the streets up into Harlem and I'd preach in Coney Island and, and we were reaching out to drug addicts and gang members and it was awesome to see what God was doing. And, and so that's, that was the context that I had for ministry. I became a pastor and carried with me that same kind of heart for reaching people. Became a district superintendent. Then in 
2006, I stepped back from being district superintendent and said, it's time to let someone else do this. I was, I wasn't, I was just in my mid-60s and said, Lord, what will I do with my life? And I began to help churches transition and I've transitioned 10 churches now across the country who are moving from pastor to pastor. It was in 2014, three years ago, I got a call from this church in Richmond. Actually, it was a, a dream center. Like they had, uh, they were a powerful ministry called The Rock. They had fallen on hard times. I mean, really hard times. It was just, it was going downhill fast. They were almost ready to close. And uh, I'd never met these people, but they called and said, "Would you? We hear you help transition places. Would you come and help us?" So I stepped into this place called the rock and realized after just a little bit of time, we needed to change the name because they had such a poor reputation in the city. We changed it to Celebration Church and Outreach Ministry. God has such a sense of humor. This place has three recovery homes where we take drug addicts and alcoholics, men, see them in recovery. We have a home for women likewise. We have a home for women who have in, been in sexual trafficking and they recover has the largest, second largest food pantry in Richmond, two thrift stores. I mean, it's about reaching people much like I started out when I was 19. And here I am 72 in 2014. And I'm saying, God, you really have a sense of humor. I mean, bringing me, I, I'm, here I am, I'm, here I'm doing this now, the bookends of life. But God said, I want you to do this. And so I stepped into this ministry and it was amazing to see God begin to turn it around. And then our son Rob came along and began to preach there some. He's had a heart for this kind of ministry. And they finally said, hey, would you, would you lead, this, lead this group? I said to them, hey, I'm 72. I can't, I can't do this for you. Do the math, all right? Do the math. This won't work. And so our son came along, and they said, we'd like him to be the pastor. And I said, if you want to do that, that's fine. And he's doing a fabulous job. I'm still there and helping. I teach on Wednesday. I had the, on Wednesday, I teach these people that come in off the streets. Every Wednesday, we have people saved. It's just awesome. It's awesome. 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 I could, uh, let me just show you a couple of pictures here, okay? So you'll see, this place is 121,000 square feet on the roof. It's an amazing place. So let's roll this video. Here we go, right here. This, this is a, this is a picture of it right there. It has three gymnasiums inside. We can see 3,000 people inside. We have concert with people like the Newsboys and people like that. It's just, a, we send these buses out. See these buses coming in every Saturday. These buses go out into at-risk neighborhoods, six buses. We bring kids in and give them lunch and teach them. And then we send those same buses back out and they bring the homeless in in the evening. We have church on Saturday night at six o'clock. Every Saturday evening, these buses bringing people. And then we have a number of people from the community come and it's, it's awesome. We do baptism once a month. Every month we baptize people because people are getting saved and coming to Jesus. Let me show you a couple other slides. Keep going, just go to the next slide here. This is, uh, this is part of the outreach. We go out in the neighborhoods and play with the kids and bring them in. Go to the next slide. Let's just keep rolling. Here's washing feet. I love this. At our feeding pantry where we uh, bring people in on Tuesdays and Thursdays for the food pantry, 
in the summertime, we say to them, would you like for us to wash your feet? And it, that adds value to people. It adds value to people. Here's some of our folks doing it. I, I had the privilege on October the 14th, two weeks ago, a couple, three, almost three weeks ago, on my 75th birthday, Coca-Cola gave us 500 pairs of shoes. And Samaritan's Feet, which is an organization, came and taught us about, said, well, why don't you wash kids' feet and Coca-Cola will give you these shoes. On, on October the 14th, I had the privilege of washing kids' feet and putting a new pair of shoes on their feet. Put a new pair of shoes on their feet. <laughs> Taking kids by the shoulder and praying with them, saying, you can be whatever God wants you to be. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. The, the chief of police was there that day, and he brought two officers. And to see those two officers get in line and start washing kids' feet, it was, it was phenomenal what happened that day. Yeah, so let's go to the next slide. I can, I can take a long time to talk about this. Here we are with kids we do in the neighborhoods, go out for bouncies and that sort of thing where they play. Go to the next slide. Here's a computer lab. Oh, this is, this is we just uh, put this up about three or four months ago. You see, when these people are done with training, they're with us for one year. And, and when they're done, we need to be able to send them out into the workforce. And so we've got this computer lab where we're training them to do computers. We have a mechanic shop. And uh, now they're learning how to clean floors as well. We're hoping that we can give them some, some marketable skills they can use when they go out. And, and all of this, we, uh, we do this. Uh, it costs them nothing to come. We get people to churches, supporters, other ways. And God's just been good to us in helping us. And then this is just another picture of the building as well. So we can roll on there. That's, I, could, I mean, I could talk a long time about this. But this church understands. I can tell just some talking with your pastor and see these boxes out here, you're doing stuff. You've got, you've got a heart for reaching people. You've got a team in Haiti. All I would say is, would you just open up your heart to us, pray for us, and believe God with us, and for this old man down there teaching people about Jesus, and saying, Lord, would you help us at our son, 47 years old, say, God, would you help them? We've got challenges that are in front of us, but God's going to meet them. We believe and trust the Lord. We believe and trust God. Because he has told us. He's told us. The central part of our message, the pivotal piece, is that we are to be people of compassion. Now, there's a part in there about, I saw, I'm going to slip on over that, okay? Because we are to run in such a way. My time is running out, and I want to, I want to keep moving along here pretty quickly. But they, we are to be people of divine love. We experience, we experience divine compassion. We, we experience divine power. And finally, we experience divine hope. Divine hope. I'm not going to read all the scripture references, but you can, we'll put them up on the screen. It's a scripture from Acts, Acts about God restoring all things. John 14, where he says he's coming back again. And the book of the Revelation, where it says eventually he'll come and there'll be no more tears that we'll have. And, I mean, there's a, there's a blessed hope that we live for. I, I believe that God wants hope to become a noun for us, not a verb. And for some of us, hope is just a verb. I hope this will happen. I remember when hope became a noun for me. And I have the blessed hope of the Father. God has given me hope in my life. That's a central part. That's a pivotal point of our message. 
Let me see if I can illustrate it. If you knew me very long, you'd probably call me Bob Hope. <laughs> because somewhere in my message, I'm going to get to hope. When I was uh, two years old, my mother and my stepfather were both killed. So my grandmother took me into her home and, and she raised me. It was just a really, it was a poor home down in Florida. We didn't have electric lights and running water and all that kind of stuff, but we had a clean place and my grandmother loved God. And she told me that God loved me and that he's gonna take care of me. She said, I'm gonna do my best for you. I asked her if I'd ever meet my dad, and she said, well, maybe someday. He's away at the war. And I, uh, I learned that my mom and dad had gotten a divorce when I was two years old. and I mean, I was a year old, and then she, my mom married another man, and this man was killed with her. So life went on, and when I was 15 years old, I went to the hospital to see my grandmother, who was dying. And when I went to the hospital to see her, an uncle took me into another floor and, and said, I'm going I'm to have you meet your dad for the first time. So I went in and met this man. And I mean, do you know what a 15-year-old kid feels like when you're going to meet your dad for the first time? I can't even describe it. But I met him, and he said he was going to invite me out to his house sometime. And that sounded good. I went up to see my grandmother, and about two weeks later, she died. And I went to the funeral, and it was really a tough time for me. But I said, but my dad's going to call. But the letter never came, and the phone never rang, and I never heard from him. I committed my life to Christ that year. It was in November of 1958. And hope became a noun for me. God put hope in my life in a way that's unbelievable. It was a few years later when I, I met Joan. And I told her about what I've told you, and she married me anyway. <laughs> Nobody from my family was at the wedding. After we've been married a year or so, she said, Bob, I think there's more to this story than you know. So we took off to Florida, and I learned that from talking to an aunt that there was more to the story. That the man I met when I was 15 was not my biological father. So the plot thickens. I said, well, who is my dad? She said, your dad is a man named Drew Strickland. He was, he was a 19-year-old farmhand who got my mom, who was 14 years old, pregnant. And, and then this man, Harold Robert Roden, stepped in and married my mom when she was seven months pregnant. So he gave me his name. name. I said, well, where's, where's, my, where's my biological dad? She said he died when he was 30 years old because he had rheumatic fever as a kid and he, his heart didn't last. Well, that helped me to understand and I went on with life and in 1994, when the man that I had met when I was 15, when he died finally, I didn't go to his funeral but it set something off inside of me. And I said, you know, I'd like to have a picture of my biological dad. And so I went to Florida, and I found the only living brother of my dad. Got a picture, and he said, do you know that you have three sisters that you've never met? And I said, nah. So in 1995, I met three sisters 
And over the last 20 years or so, we've been building relation, layers of relationship, and, and God has put things in my life that I never dreamed of. My life has exceeded my dreams. Now, why did I tell you that story? Because I want you to know that your past does not have to trap you. It can shape you. It can shape you. You can have hope in your life. You can have hope in your life. I don't want to exploit marketing here, but the, what I've just told you, that story is in the epilogue of this book, and it's, uh, it's got some details there that you can, you can pick up if you'd like to uh, just have it in print, and uh, I think the, the four faces of a leader principles are also very good. But, uh, you can have hope. So our message is about love, our message is about power, our message is about compassion, and our message is about hope. That's what God wants to do for every one of us in this room. I pray that as you walk out of here today, that something in your heart will say, God, I want to connect with you. I want to connect with you for this hope in my life that can make a difference. Would you stand with me, please? Standing, everybody. I said earlier I was going to give you a chance to respond to God's love and God's power and now his hope. As your heads are bowed, what are you thinking about right now? Are you thinking about the fact that maybe you, at one time you were really connected to God and right now you're not as connected as you'd like to be? He loves you as is. He loves you as is. And he's wanting you to respond to him this morning. Or maybe you're saying, I've never been connected to God that way. He loves you as is. With our heads bowed and just as we get ready to close out here, how many in this room, the full main floor and the balcony, would like to say today, I, I'd really like to connect with God in the way you've described this morning. Boy, that just sounds like something I need and would be good for my life. Whether you're reconnecting or connecting for the first time with our heads bowed and you'd say, I, I'd welcome a prayer and then an opportunity maybe to respond in some way as well beyond this prayer. Just, uh, just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you as we conclude today. It's hard for me to see in the lights, but I, I believe hands are being raised in the building. Yes, God bless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see some hands. Oh. God's doing some neat things. God's doing some neat things in this church. We'll never manipulate you because that'll be for my good. We want to motivate you. That's for your good. So, Lord, all these folks have lifted their hands. I don't know what all their needs are, whether they're connecting with you for the first time or are reconnecting. But I thank you now, Lord. Would everybody say this prayer with me? Say, dear God, thank you for hope. Thank you for love. I receive your love today. I receive your forgiveness now. Thank you that hope can become a noun for me. And I receive you into my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Oh, what a wonderful moment. Now, may I ask you to do one other thing before we... Before we I'll ask Pastor Chris to come and close us out here in just a moment. You don't need to do this for me, but I want you to do it for you.
it, 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 and it will encourage a lot of people in this room. If, if you say, you know what, I, I prayed that prayer and I just, I'm so grateful and I would just welcome somebody praying with me as well. And I, uh, I want to just publicly say I've, I've prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer about hope. Would you just come and join me right now? Just get out of the place where you're standing and just start coming and stand right here with me. Would you do that? Oh, God bless you as you come. Sure. Just somebody comes with you. Just right. Come on down. Just come on down here. This is a this is a neat moment. This is a celebration moment. That's right. Come on down. Just come and stand with me. You're praying that prayer. Come on. Just stand right here with me. Come come right right up to the front here. Oh, isn't this cool? Isn't this cool? This is so neat. Come on down. Stand right over here. You brought. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. People connecting with God. People connecting with God. Look at awesome. This is awesome. Now. Uh, Pastor Ron and your prayer counselor if you'll just come and stand behind these folks and oh Lord thank you, thank you for this joyful moment as these people publicly declare I'm connecting with God, I'm connecting with God I pray that you'll do everything in their life that they envision and more and more and more thank you Lord for the fact that we, we trust a God who loves us so much I pray that every person here, oh Lord, will connect with you in a way that will make such a difference when they leave this place today. In Jesus' name, let's just stay in this prayerful mood. And I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to come and close this out in whatever way he determines he'd like to. And I want to just move down and maybe have a prayer with some of these folks here as well. God bless you. Thanks for letting me come and be with you today. Pastor Chris, if you'd come right now. is good church man there's many that come down and committed or recommitting their lives to the lord and i want to tell you if you're standing down here in the front and today's the first day for you that you're making this decision to accept jesus as your lord and savior we'd love that opportunity to just to just pray with you and to give you a bible and connect with you so pastor ron's going to be uh, right here in the front and even out at the special event center you can stop there after right after our service but we're going to pray for you right now um, as your hands are lifted the church can we just lift our hands as well let's pray right now lord jesus we just come before you and we thank you so much for your goodness over every life lord god we thank you lord god for those that are standing here today lord god this just lord god you're you're encouraged them to respond today to your goodness to your hope lord god we pray that you would come and that you would help them that you would lead them and guide them lord for each one of us lord god help us to be people filled with that hope the hope that only comes from you lord god we pray that your grace your incredible mercy would come over their lives today lord god that they would never be the same again lord god and as our hands are lifted all around this room today lord god would you stir something new in our hearts again lord god would you remind us that that we're loved. Would you remind us that you desire to have a life-changing relationship with us, Lord, to release us into the purposes that you have for us today. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, your encouragement over every life, Lord God, and that today, Lord God, today we'd be encouraged to carry your word forward, Lord God, to do and to be who you've called us to be. Lord, help us to experience that divine love again, Lord God. Help someone to know today, Lord, you receive them as is, Lord God, and love them right where they are, not as they should be. And that today, Lord God, you accept them, you receive them 
to change their lives forever, Lord God. We pray today, Lord God, that we would be able to live out and experience the divine power that you have promised in our lives as we rely on the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Jesus, come now. Give us hearts of compassion, Lord God. Help us to experience your incredible grace and compassion and love, and Lord, for us to model that as we go forward. And again, Lord God, would we be firmly rooted in that hope, Lord God? Will we share that? Just as Dr. Roden can't get through a message without pointing to the hope that he has in you, Lord God, make us that way, Lord God. Help us to point forward to the incredible hope that we have because of you. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. All God's people said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate together? God is so good.